Shannon. And I'm Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, heard, experienced, lived to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Shannon, I, um, you know how on LinkedIn you can put your relationship status with your job? <laughs> is that a thing? Can we do that? I don't think That's we can do that. not a thing, but that would be, well, I feel like you can kind of put that because you can secretly tell people behind the scenes. You can say like, I'm open to talking with recruiters, but not notify anybody in your current network. Did you know that? I've seen that, but I don't understand how it works. I don't either. So maybe in some ways you can say your relationship status to your work on LinkedIn. You guys can tell us if we have this right or not. Uh, yeah, tell us, please. Or explain it to me because I don't get it. Same as Wi-Fi. Someone wants to sit down and explain to me how Wi-Fi works. I'll take it. Sweet. Well, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> we're not talking about how Wi-Fi works today, but we are talking about how you might shift your relationship to work. So let's start this off. This is going to start off in a weird place, but I promise we're going to get there. So I read a book all about cleaning house <laughs> called... Like cleaning a house? Yes. It, it was called How to Keep House While Drowning. The topic of the book was all about like how to properly take care of yourself and your space when you're feeling overwhelmed. But today, I kind of want to flip the topic, like switch out the topic from keeping house to our relationship to work. And see if some of the tactics that she uses in the book can apply to how we relate to our work. Shannon, can I say how excited I am that you're trying to stretch something from one thing to another? Because usually it's me. I'm like, hey, I uh, I read this crazy book. It has nothing to do with anything. Let's see if we can get it to apply to something. And you're always like, hey, I got this uh, five-letter acronym <laughs> that for sure applies to something. So I am here for it, Shannon. I'm excited. I'm here. I thought you might be excited about this. So and I'm excited about it too, because I think the book was just such an excellent example of like self-compassion in practice as well. So I, yeah, at the end of the day, I think a lot of her tips apply to our working lives as well. And I'm excited to see how some of her key points match up so that we can see if it's possible for us to shift our relationship or our perspective on the topic of work. So I would say this episode is especially for you if you identify as an overworker, as a work addict, as an overfunctioner, like me. I've been all of those things in the past. Should we dive in? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So there's three key themes that I want to talk about from this book. Who is serving who? taking a functional versus a moral view on things and practical tips when you're drowning at work. So let's jump into who serves who. So a key thing that she says in the book about our space, you know, like our physical homes is you don't exist to serve your space. Your space exists to serve you. I like this. I like this. Well, okay. and so I'm curious now, so if we shift this to be about work, what if we apply the same concept to work? What if your Ooh. job exists to serve you and you do not exist to serve your job? Ooh, Shannon, I like that. So Rami, I'm curious, do you think you operate with the mindset that your job exists to serve you or you need to serve your job? So it's this interesting thing that always comes up when a multinational company that has people in Europe and people in the U S talk about like work life 
balance because they say in Europe you work to live and in the US you live to work because they are very good about saying you have to you can only work 40 hours a week like that's it like you can't work more than that you have to take 5 6 weeks of vacation whatever it is like very much you're working just to live mm-hmm. but you're not like driven by more than that where here in the US it's like we live to work right like 40 hours like who's doing 40 hours like i'm doing 60 hours or i'm doing whatever um and i'm not taking vacation like why would i take vacation so i find that very interesting that you're asking that question. I think for me, I've always struggled with that. And I can think of years of my life where I like took no vacations because of that mindset. I think I've gotten much better at it, but I still get horrified when I like submit for vacation that it's going to be like rejected. Oh, yeah. Really? I didn't know that about you. I would have expected you to say that you're more balanced, like that you operate with the mindset that your job. I have very clear boundaries, but I overstep them all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to respond to this email at eight because then it's going to be like a thing. And then I get it. I'm like, I'm not doing anything like, okay, I'm going to go respond to that email. I'm like, but I just said I wasn't going to do that. Like, I, I, I struggle with that a lot. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I think for me, no surprise to anyone here, I, I used to definitely be in the camp of like, I exist to serve my job. Like, what do you need? I will do it. What's interesting for me, though, is I was reflecting on this episode preparing for it. I thought, wow, I don't know that I'm there anymore. I think as an entrepreneur, I feel, I think we all have the opportunity to see ourselves as exist, as our jobs existing to serve us. I think as an entrepreneur, though, I probably have a little bit more privilege in that sense. Like if a, if a client relationship isn't working for me, if a time of day isn't working for me, I have no qualms of changing my schedule around to make it work for me, to make it serve me instead of me feeling like I have to serve my job in that sense. But I get that I probably have a privilege in that sense as an entrepreneur. So I'm curious for us to dig in a little bit deeper deeper on this topic of who serves who. What would you change about your work if it existed to serve you? Would you, like, this is maybe for listeners to think about too. Would you keep working in the same career? Would you keep doing the same things that you always do? So... I can offer an example here while Ralph I'm trying to process the question. Because I understand the house. I I understand the house. It's a big question. Right? Like, oh, my house is here to serve me. So, like, if I want a kitchen layout the way that I want it, because this is how I want to function it, like, that's how I'm going to lay out my kitchen. I am. I'm excited for your example to click into place how I can comprehend this on the work side. Yes. So, for me... I used to never allow myself to cancel or reschedule a client unless it was like a life and death situation, (laughs) right? Like I would push through a lot to still show up for that client session. But that's a moral view on work, which we're going to get to, not a functional one. So for me, I think if I operated in the mindset that my job existed to serve me, I would allow myself a little bit more grace when life comes up. So for example, I'm 
I have caretaking responsibilities for my dad on Mondays. Sometimes I try to do that and record some podcast episodes. Not with Rami for the messy monkey beetle. And I had to cancel one because it was just, there was a snowstorm here in Minnesota and I just, it was a little bit too tight on timing. And I had to just say like, look, I'm not going to be able to make it. Old me would have been like a slave to that interview, you know, a slave to quote unquote the job. New me is like, who's serving who here, man? Like, no, if this doesn't work for me in my life, like we can push this out two weeks. No one's going to die if we push this out two weeks. See, what here's what I think you? is funny is I don't think I've ever struggled with that. Right. Like yesterday I was going to pick up mm-hmm. my kid and someone messaged me. They're like, hey, can you like call this place? I was like, oh, I'm like going to pick up my kid. Like, can I do it in the morning? Not like, hey, get bent. I'm not going to do it. Like, oh, no, like I can't do it tonight. Like I'm cashed. And they were like, oh, I didn't realize how late it was. I'm just going to email them like we're good. Um. That I don't think is something I've ever struggled with. That's where I say, like, I have good boundaries and then I have bad use of my boundaries. But I feel like in that instance, I've always had uh-huh. good-ish boundaries. But I know uh-huh. what you're saying and I... So then where are you still operating with, like, oh, I need to serve my job right now, even if this is inconvenient to my life right now? Is it, like, answering the email when you don't want to? Yes. So then maybe it's that. It's like, how do you change that? I had a client recently that said to me, I'd never heard of this rule before, but she says she has a rule. She never emails down after hours. She will email up. So like in her chain of command, if you will, like she will, she never emails her employees after hours. But she I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Up. Like the only response I would ever give is up. It's never going to be down. Yeah food for thought what would you change if your work was existing to serve you instead of the other way around okay let's talk about one of the second main points in the book which is about taking a functional versus a moral view on things so in the book she highlights how sometimes we look at our house or self-care tasks from a moral lens so i'm going to give you some examples here so a moral lens from a cleaning house perspective looks like or sounds like Real adults keep their kitchen clean or people who have their shit together meal plan. So notice like the value statements in that, the perfectionistic thinking, the all or nothing view that's alive and well in that. So now let's talk about what a functional lens would look like with the example she gives in the book around cleaning house. A functional kitchen has to have enough clean dishes for the day, counter space to prepare food, access to a sink, heating element and garbage. Or meal planning exists to make it easier for me to eat and buy groceries. So notice the task is no longer about like measuring up, but about caring for yourself. You can move forward without guilt and focus on doing the actual tasks that serve the function instead of the morality of it. Of like, I'm a shitty person if I don't meal plan. So now, again, like I want to apply the same concept to the topic of work. Is the type of work you do or even just how you're approaching work from a functional or a moral place? So I I can give some examples here while Rami's like digesting this because this is like a lot. When I was operating from a moral place 
on the type of work that I was doing, this was the kind of shit I said to myself. A good feminist would be working full-time, shattering glass ceilings in male-dominated industries. Or uh, now, in the entrepreneurial lens, a good business owner would be making as much money as she could instead of like focusing on like what works for my family life right now. So then looking at this from a functional place, it would switch to work exists to make it easier for me to move through my life with joy. Hold on, hold on, hold I on. I work hold on, hold on. pretty much like Let's yeah. all let's yeah. all take that and maybe that's our <laughs> functional place for all of us, which is work exists to make it easier for us to move through our life with joy. Like couldn't we all just make that our functional place? We absolutely, we absolutely could, right? So, so I work part time now because it's what functions for our family with my dad's dementia and Parkinson's and with my daughter's extracurriculars. I don't work to try and prove how much money I can make or to prove that I'm a good feminist anymore. Like I do what adds function to our family and joy to our lives. So Rami, hopefully you've had a little bit of time to digest this concept of taking a functional versus moral view. Do you work for functional or moral reasons? Or maybe it's like a both and. Can you find the moral shit that you say to yourself sometimes versus... No, see, this is where I'm like strictly functional. Good. Tell us, tell us like what your functional story is. Work exists to make it easier for me to move through my life with joy, right? Like I think... Finding the right balance at work and making sure that my life still has joy in it through both getting paid and also like feeling like I'm I'm adding to my organization. But in doing that, I'm not detracting from the joy in my own life and my like personal life. Yeah. Have you ever felt obligated to stay in a job for moral reasons? Even though it was no longer functioning. Look, this is a very, uh, a very unique space that I've got to live in because I have a very, very supportive wife. But no, like when I've gotten to that point, she's been like, no, you need to quit your job. Like we're not, that's not what we're here for. That's not why we're here. And that's not what we're here for. But look, I, I can tell you that I'm very privileged and I'm very lucky to have a wife who's very supportive and to be in that position to be able to do that like i know that i'm not the the norm in this situation and i will uh, uh, acknowledge that well but i think what i heard in there is that there was a part of you that did feel felt obligated but you didn't follow through with that feeling you know so i go back for me what comes to mind here was uh my very first job out of college keep in mind you guys i went to an all women's university it was like a feminist indoctrination in me (laughs) and so for me that story around like well a good feminist would be hustling in male-dominated industries and like showing them that women can do anything that created a sense of moral obligation in me that I had to stay in industrial sales for way longer than I wanted. You sold to industries? And so I I <laughs> so I wore steel-toed boots and a hard hat every day and I called on a bunch of men. Who the moral were obligation was like inappropriate. we don't have enough women in this industry, so I'm going to smash through and like be the woman leading in this industry. 
Yes, and show people that women can women can hack it. Oh my god, though, it was not functioning. It was not <laughs> functioning in our life. I was freaking mm-hmm. miserable in that career path. And honestly, I see it sometimes in clients now too who are in male-dominated industries where it's like this job is no longer functioning for you. You are going home crying every night because you're still in investment banking. Get the fuck out. Get out. That's no longer functioning for you. Drop the moral obligation. I got really fired up there. So, yeah, I think you get the joke on this one. Here's another little tidbit that I want to talk about on this topic of functional versus moral. So she talks about, too, the moral view that only pretentious people hire help. That is something that I've definitely said to myself, and that's why I wanted to talk about it in this episode, because if you're a person that's, like, working hard in your career, I want you to feel like it's okay to hire help if you need to. So in the book, she says, it's no more pretentious to pay someone to clean your home than it is to pay someone to change your oil in your car. That hit me between the eyeballs because I've always felt like like we have a house cleaner that comes once a month. And it's always been like, I have to keep this a secret. I can't tell people that I have this privilege in my life. It's so pretentious of me to have this. But is it any more pretentious than getting my freaking Can oil Can I ask a question, though? Do you know where to dispose of oil from your car, like, properly? That's my problem. No! I think I think it's a fair, like, <laughs> assessment. But it's like, to me, it's almost like, do you feel bad when you go to a car wash? Right? Like, as opposed to washing the car in your, like, driveway? Like, that, that to me, I think is similar. Because yes. the oil change, like, not that I would ever do it. Um, and I can sound pretentious here, but I know that I don't know how to properly dispose of oil. And I, I know that that's a big deal because I always ask them, like, what do you guys do with yes. all the oil? And it's like, got to be like processed and a bunch of crap before it can like go back to wherever oil goes to burn into the, yes. burn the ozone. I don't know. Yes. But like, here's why I want to talk about this, this like little lens on the functional versus moral conversation. I know clients who love what they do for work. It functions for them in their life. It makes them come alive. They make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but also feel obligated to keep up with the housework all on their own. They won't even like freaking hire groceries delivered to their house. For these folks, if you're like, shit, that's me. That's me. I feel like I can't. I feel like I have to do it all because a good person would do their own housework. Feeling, this is a quote from the book, feeling ashamed to pay for help is directly related to the idea that care tasks are moral obligations central to your worthiness as a human. You do not have to meet a diagnostic criterion to deserve to hire someone any more than you have to meet a criterion to not churn your own butter or knit your own sweaters. (laughs) Isn't that just like a mic drop moment? So she has this criteria in terms of allowing yourself to take a functional view on hiring people. Does it make your life function more easily? Can you afford it? Will you treat the people you're hiring with respect? That's, and pay I think them what that to me is the important here of not being pretentious is the last one. Like, will you treat the people with respect and pay yes. them what they deserve? Because Shannon's in a unique perspective because Shannon used to clean people's houses. So this is like Shannon. Shannon can put herself That's in this true. person's shoes. Because she's been that person. Yep. 
But if we're going to go back yeah. to our empathy episode, like, can you put yourself in that person's shoes without having to experience their life? And I think that's the important piece to not be pretentious. Can you treat people with respect and pay them what they deserve? I think that's the important piece for me. After after deciding that you can yeah. afford it and that it'll make your life function more easily. Shannon, I we paid the high school kids yeah. to like mow our lawn. I'm not about to do that. Like, I just, I can do it. I physically could do it. Yes. I could buy a lawnmower. I could mow my lawn. I've mowed plenty of lawns in my lifetime. I will absolutely pay someone to do that because it makes my life so much easier. And I will treat them with respect and I can afford it. So, yes. And we have a, we have two ladies come and clean your house. And I love it. Yeah. Have you ever felt ashamed about that? Or is that I think, like just a Here's the thing. thing. I think everybody feels ashamed about it because it's like, oh, I could do that, right? Like, I could clean my house. But they also are going to do a much yes. better job. And I could not clean my house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I just, for me, this really changed my perspective on, like, dismantling some of the shame that I have around hiring support or help, which has been vital for me, especially in the season of balancing caring for my dad too. Okay. So let's move into the last section for this conversation, which is like some practical tactics. Like what the heck do you do when you're struggling specifically around starting tasks? Everything that she offered around like starting how to, how to help yourself struggling, starting tasks around the house. I was like, this applies directly to work too. So let's offer these to the people. So there are, I think five here that I want to talk about. The first tip that she offers in the book is moving toward. So instead of saying, like, I need to finish this or start this, ask, like, how can I move towards this task? So in in the book, she gives the example of, like, going and sitting in your kitchen if you need to clean your kitchen. Like, you don't have to start cleaning it, but just moving toward the kitchen. For me, when I think about this with my work, it might mean just opening up the application that I need to do the work in. Even this placeholder can help create momentum in me. Like just the other day, I was having to edit video clips for Workplace Hugs and I was like, I'm just going to open iMovie and just like see what happens next. (laughs) So that's tip one. The second tip is to leverage built-in wait times. So what activities have built-in wait times for you? So for me, the one that comes to mind is uh, my tea kettle. When I set my tea kettle and I wait for it to come to a boil, that's a great time for me to start a work task because there's no, you know that there's a finish line in sight and that can lower the barrier to entry. Another example she gives in the book is ordering DoorDash for dinner when you know you don't feel like cooking and using the wait time to knock out a few emails like while that. you wait. I put away dishes while Prince do you, do you uh, do that? eats breakfast because they're usually dry in the morning and I don't really feel like doing it ever. When he's like eating, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put away these dishes because he thinks it's a fun game, and it like gives me something to do while he's eating breakfast. So, I agree. Built-in wait times are helpful. Yes, especially the tea. Yes. Yeah, I love the tea one. Tea I'll use for emptying the dishwasher too. Uh, okay. The third tip is what she calls body doubling. So it's oftentimes easier to do things when a friend is with you. When I think about applying this to work, I think about like asking someone to co-work with you. Even just having people nearby makes me more motivated. Like if I know I have 
just a tedious to-do list that I need to get through, I will often go to a coffee shop because I think that's a form mm-hmm. of body doubling for me as a solopreneur where I just feel a little less alone or a little more like in it together working parallel to other people. The fourth tip, which when I read this in the book, I was like, did she steal this from me? Because this is something I've said to people before is um, around thinking about your future self. So she says, if you're struggling with the motivation to start a task, think about it as a kindness to future you. What does future you need to function tomorrow? The last one is, (laughs) I love this one so much. Take it off the list. Take the task that you never do and just take it off the list. It's a surefire way to make sure that your whole list is finally getting complete. And maybe by actually getting to the end of your list for once, you might actually feel like getting to that thing that you always avoid doing. I like that one. <laughs> I love the last. The last one is so sassy. Rami, do you have a task that's just like always uh, on your list? Mine are like aspirational things where it's like, oh, I had this really good idea. This is like going to take a ton of my time and then probably add a bunch of work to my list. But like would be so amazing if I could ever get to it. And it like carries over like those aspirational things like carry over for a few weeks. And then finally, they just like fall off my list. because I'm like, I'm done adding this to my list every week because it ain't happening. Yeah. For me, it's my client log for credentialing. So in order to keep my credential status, I have to submit my, my client logs. And it's so silly and not something that needs to be done very often and i just avoid it i've been avoiding it for like a good nine months now because i don't need it until i have to go for credential again (laughs) the other thing i'm curious about rami do you do any of these already do you move toward do you build in wait time or do you leverage built-in wait times body double future you i think about future me a lot i think about future me a lot i want that guy to have a joyful life shannon and i think yeah the important thing for me is A lot of times it'll be like, okay, it's like getting to the end of my day. I know that my next day is going to be busy. Like, are there things that I can like quickly knock out? And then I don't have to like have that as even just like mind stress. Like they're not like big, busy tasks. It's just like, oh, can I just be done with those? So I don't have to like think about them when I wake up or whatever. That's that's the person I focus on the most of all these is future, future, future Rami. I love it. The one that I find myself leveraging since reading this book is um, moving toward. That's one that I hadn't really thought of before, but just opening the application, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like getting it started. Okay. So in conclusion, here's what I want you to take away. I'm taking a quote from the book, but I'm modifying it to put in work instead of her subject matter. You do not exist to serve your work. Your work exists to serve you. Work exists for one reason only, to make your life functional enough for you to easily experience the joy that the world has to offer. Boom. I love it. Tactically, here's what I want you to think about from this episode. What's one choice you'd make tomorrow to have your job serve you instead of you serving your job? And where do you have a moral view on work and how can you shift it to finding the functional take on it instead? Finally, we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram or LinkedIn and share with us what's one tactic that from the tactics that we shared today uh, that you're going to try where you're maybe struggling to start a task. I love it. So connect with us on LinkedIn, on Instagram. We would love to hear what that tactic is. Um, 
and maybe it'll inspire the rest of us to go and do it. Uh, with that, I've been Rami. And I've been Shannon. And this has been Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs.